Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 7th day of February 2024. It was, what the hell would that make it, 60 years ago today that the Beatles actually landed in the United States in preparation for their uh, Ed Sullivan show appearance two days later on the 9th. So there you go, there's your, here hendeth the history lesson for today. I am Derek Hunter, I'm your host, appreciate you downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Please rate and review on iTunes if you have a moment. I'd appreciate a nice little five-star review if you got the time. And don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast to sign up for the show, support the show, and enter the contest where you can get me to write something humiliating, pretty much, if and you so desire, in the uh, autograph book contest. Anyway, let us get on with the program so we can get on with our lives. And there, there is a lot going on in the world. We've got reaction to the, uh, oops, the compromise bill, the, the border bill, the ridiculousness that's going on in Washington, D.C. Actually, I kind of want to start with that just to kind of get it out of the way and play you a clip from Al Sharpton. Al, good God, Al. God bless Al Sharpton. <laughs> he, acts, he is so bad on television. He is so bad. He's if he if he wasn't gonna protest and march against MSNBC and NBC News, and if he wasn't really just gonna go and raise hell, they would have fired him a long time ago. But he's useful to them and dangerous to them. So they keep old Al on the payroll. They don't pay him probably nearly as well. They probably overpay him actually. But they keep him on the payroll, and they keep him on. His, they put a show on a Saturday. Remember when they tried to do a show for him every day of the week, and people, the people were like, "This is terrible. This is terrible. He can't read a teleprompter." It, it was abundantly. Look, most of these people don't write their own words. Most of these people are lazy as all get out, and they will just read whatever's on the teleprompter. They may or may not have discussed it with their staff beforehand, but they'll read whatever's on the teleprompter. And many of them, especially maybe 8 o'clock hosts, believe that they can read the teleprompter for the first time and be perfectly fine with it while on air. They don't need it. They're that lazy. And they're proud of it. They're proud of it. They could do a good show, but they do a good enough show instead. Al was one of those people who didn't even bother. Nobody, Nobody believed in Al. Nobody looked at it and said, you know, if we just put a little bit more effort into this, if we maybe got, if Al, if you got in like an hour earlier and we could go over, the, we could really be winning awards. And they're giving away awards to leftists like Sharpton. They would, he would have won a Pulitzer by now if he'd done this. But nobody said, nope, you can't polish that turd. There's just nowhere to go with this thing. Forget about it. Well, he is, uh, he was on Morning Joe this morning trying to make the case for the border bill, it's amazing. Huh? What did we hear for, for three years? There's no border crisis. There's no crisis at all. There's nothing. What are you doing? We don't even need anything. There's no crisis, no crisis. The border is under control. The border is closed. The border is not open, blah, 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 blah. And then they get this bill and they say, well, if you want to secure the border, if you want to do this, you want." wait, I thought that 
you just spent three years wagging your finger at us, telling us how everything was fine down at the southern border and how we were paranoid conspiracy theorists. And now they tell us we must pass this piece of legislation if we want a secure border. Or if you're serious about a secure border, you have to pass this. Well, that's, that's weird. The only reason they go for that, the only time they ever go for that, is when they have things that they want more. They want that Ukraine money. My God, they want that Ukraine money. And actually, they want the border provisions in this bill because they want to be able to open up the border even further and say, so, you know, under the guise of we've secured the border. No, no, no. This is according to the law. Republicans voted for this. What are you complaining about? It's really kind of gross when you get down to it, but not surprising. But Al, this morning, accidentally screwed up. He accidentally called it an invasion. Now, an invasion is different than we've got a problem at the border with immigration. We see, even when Democrats have started talking about the border this week in serious terms, we must do something about this border, and Republicans are stopping us from doing something about this border. They're only caring about it because of the polling data that shows that Joe Biden is less popular than toe sweat on this issue. So they said, well, we've got issues. We've got, to, we've got to help secure the border. We've got to more secure the border. They're still trying to play that semantical game. Well, Al Sharpton called it an invasion. Now, I want you to listen to Al. Everything Al says here is hilarious in its own way. It is hilarious in that it contradicts everything he used to say, everything he and his colleagues used to say. But he's making a case against the Democrats trying to make a case against Republicans. It's a skilled person might have been able to do it, maybe. I mean, it's a, t- it's a tough climb for anybody. But a skilled arguer, a, a, a good lawyer might have been able to do the verbal jujitsu that Al Sharpton is trying to pull off here. But Al Sharpton ain't that guy. And what is being done to uh, get the public uh, to really uh, rise up in various states to say to their senators that they want to see the borders, uh, the border issue resolved. I mean, you're getting migrants beating up policemen in the streets in New York. You're seeing an influx of migrants all over the country that frankly have people outraged and Couldn't there be some kind of public pressure put in the next couple of days in some of these senator states saying, why are you allowing this to continue? Because at the end of the day, senators have to deal with their voters. And at the same time, it uh, in the bill, you give uh, uh, money to Gaza, to, to, to civilians in Gaza and Israel. But the border, I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants and they're playing a time game with politics on this. Couldn't that pressure put to bear in their home states? You got to love it. Oh, Republicans are dragging their feet and they're doing it. Three years. Three years they told you there's nothing wrong with the border. Three years they insisted everything was all well and good. And what are you complaining about? And you're really only making this claim because you're racist and blah, blah, blah. Now suddenly the Democratic Party switches on a dime and here comes Al Sharpton going, they don't want to secure the border. Can we get some some pressure back? Oh, wait, you're talking about mobilizing? You're going to mobilize liberal Democrats 
who are the very reason there are open borders right now under the Biden administration, to protest Republicans about this border bill. That's their big plan. This is this is Al Sharpton's brainstorm. This is what he comes up with. Unaware seemingly that of history before he woke up this morning. It is unbel- the uh, <sighs> the balls on these people. There's no other way to put it. This to sit there and just on a dime. These Republicans aren't serious about securing the border. Okay. Uh, you guys just insisted that you didn't want border security in any way, shape, or form tied to Ukraine funding. You reluctantly agreed to that because you didn't really want to pass border security. You were still in the denial phase. There's no border crisis, nothing, nothing, nothing. Once it became abundantly clear that the only way you guys are going to get your graft, you're going to get your Ukraine funding your $60 billion, the biggest, more than half of the money in this bill. The only way you're going to get that is if you throw some bones to people on border security. So you agreed to measures that don't do a damn thing, really. They're joke measures. They're a disgrace. They're an embarrassment. And now suddenly, it's a real crisis down there. Somebody's got to do something. People are going to die. People are going to get killed. And Al Sharpton, the piece de resistance, the chef's kiss, mwah, of the whole thing is Al Sharpton getting bent out of shape about police being beaten up in New York City. How many police has Al Sharpton been directly or indirectly responsible for being beaten up in New York City over the course of his career, back when he was wearing jumpsuits and had uh, the uh, perm hairdo or whatever the hell that thing was? Back in the Morton Downey Jr. TV show days. And now suddenly, oh, police are being beaten up. We got to do something about this. What, Al? Join in? Is that what you, that's your natural instinct? That's what you breed in people. That's what your lies breed in people. But he's on the case, and he accidentally called it an invasion. Now, if there's an invasion, did that invasion just start Saturday? Because the text of this bill just came out on Sunday. So before then, was there no invasion? Why was it before then that no Democrat was talking about this as a serious issue? Why was no Democrat concerned about the safety of police officers or American citizens before Monday when the first day happened that uh, the media was back after the bill got introduced? Why is it? What happened there? On a dime, these people changed. On a dime, these people changed. And now they're out making the rounds going, oh, man, we've got to do something about this border issue. We must do something about this border. If Republicans are serious, well, if Democrats are serious, then would they not just secure the border? Would they not just secure the border? Would that not be it? Would Joe Biden not be running around saying, okay, well, I'm going to do this and that and the other thing right now. While you guys wait, I will start with securing the border as best I can. But we don't get that. We haven't gotten anywhere near that. Why haven't we gotten anywhere near that? Doesn't that seem like something that should happen? In this administration? Nope. Instead, we get this from the Washington Post today. As the House is preparing to 
uh, well, they're starting to count votes. They're getting close to impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who had gone up to Capitol Hill time and time again and testified under oath, which it, it's hard to tell. Is it a crime or is it not a crime? It really just depends on which party is uh, the person who's doing it. It's from He's lying to Congress saying that the border is secure. There is no border crisis. The border is secure. Well, they're getting ready to uh, impeach him for lying to Congress, amongst other things. So the Washington Post comes out with a big old wet smooch on his rear end with the headline, Back to the Wall, Alejandro Mayorkas Tries to Build a Border Legacy. Written by somebody called Jesus Rodriguez, because the left loves stereotypes. All right, Alejandro Mayorkas goes to work on the grounds of a place once known as a government hospital for the insane. What do you mean once known as? Was it or wasn't it? If it was, then a place that was once a government hospital for insane. If it wasn't, then it wasn't and it's irrelevant. What do you mean once known as? Well, it was known as that, but it really wasn't. It's a stupid way to start this, and that just gets downhill from there. These days, the Southeast Washington campus, known as St. Elizabeth's, houses offices in the Department of Homeland Security, including one belonging to Mayorkas, who runs that agency for President Biden. The secretariat is on the second floor of the red brick collegiate Gothic building, up an inclining hairpin turn past a gym with drab little cottages. If you work here late at night, it is said you see strange things. That's the opening paragraph of what is allegedly a news story in the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos, what is the carbon footprint of the money you're setting on fire, propping up this ghost dining out on glory days from the 70s? Quote, my hours are very, very long, Mayorkas said in his office last Thursday. After 7.30 p.m., he's leaving, his calendar open so he can keep working. Homeland Security Secretary in 2024 is the type of job that could drive someone mad. But Mayorkas seems in control of himself, even if the immigration debate is out of hand. See, there's never been a Secretary of Homeland Security who has had the media colonoscopy of love with lips the way that Mayorkas has, and this is just the start of it. This is the second paragraph. No other one Secretary of Homeland Security elicited this sort of concern. Nothing. I did not expect this level of polarization, and I did not expect this level of politics, he said. Long pause level and nature of politics. He's an idiot. He's unqualified for his job. He was hired because he checked the right boxes. He looks like American, meaning accusatory rather than solution focused, baselessly accusatory. Last week, the Republican-controlled House Homeland Security Committee voted along party lines to advance Two articles of impeachment against Mayorkas, charging him with breach of trust and willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law. The full House is expected to vote this week. It's the latest escalation in congressional Republicans' efforts to blame a spike in illegal border crossings on the Biden administration, as well as their desire to impeach somebody 
if not Biden himself. This is a news story written as an op-ed. Because can you expect a Democrat writing for the Democrat Washington Post named Jesus Rodriguez to be objective? It's impossible. It's not it. The guy wants to be invited to parties. But you've got to love that it. it's a Republicans' effort to blame the spike in illegal border crossings on the Biden administration that just so happened, you dumbass, to coincide with everything the Biden administration has done on the border, including on day one, suspending deportations, ending remain in Mexico, ordering catch and release, all of those things, sending the president of the United States when he was a candidate saying, if you're out there, surge to the border, surge to the border, to the illegals. They took him up on his word. But those damned Republicans, they're just trying to blame Joe Biden. He never did nothing to nobody. Just the Biden administration. They're trying to go about their business. These people act as though so much of their lives and so much of their duties are on autopilot. They have no choice. Their hands are tied. What are they supposed to do? We have to continually leave everybody and let everybody into the country who wants to come into the country. You don't. You do not. You didn't inherit that system. You inherited a system that was relatively under control. Was it perfect? No, but it was relatively under control. And you burned down the gates. You tore down the fence. You made a point of pride on day one of signing an executive order, stopping, ceasing, halting, forbidding the building of any more border wall. And you go, oh, geez, what happened? These damned Republicans, we inherited a broken system. No, you didn't. You get a brand new car. And you come out and say, you gave me a broken car. And you open up the hood and you're pulling out wires and you're unloosening bolts and everything. You gave me a broken car, but the car worked fine a minute ago. You pull out the distributor cap and the alternator, disconnect the battery, pour sugar where the oil goes, and you're probably not going to have a very good car. You're probably not. But you don't get to blame Ford for making it. You did this. You did this deliberately, not by accident. It was a campaign promise. It's what your party wants. It's what you people argued for for three years until it suddenly became a political liability on Sunday when the text came out of the bill. And then they all said, we need to secure the border and the Republicans are standing in our way. You have to have recently suffered a serious closed head injury to believe these people. And you have to have the moral scruples of God. I don't even know who's the least moral person ever. Hitler, Stalin, Mao all rolled into one, thrown in with a, a couple of degenerate porn stars. And you go, yeah, no, this is all your fault. That's the only way you can make this case. I don't know how you live with yourselves, but you do. I mean, you live with yourselves on huge piles of money. There's money in it. It's agenda uber alles. You don't give a damn about the truth. I'd be embarrassed for you, but I'm ashamed that we're of the same species. Well, this article is a real piece of work. It's very difficult to make sense of it. Mallorca said of the prospect of impeachment, it's very difficult, so I don't try to make sense of it. You lied before Congress. You lied under oath. I realize that that's you know par for the course and a job requirement if you're a Democrat, but 
Now, that might have something to do with it. He picked his words very carefully. I'm doing my work. I'm doing my work and um, making sure it doesn't distract me from it. Do you feel secure? Do you feel what what is this guy's job? Which part of his job is he doing well? What part of his job is he doing well? You'd say, well, he's there hasn't been a terror attack. Says, okay, there hasn't been a terror attack. But how many people on the terror watch lists have made it across the southern border and then were released into the United States by this guy? Hmm? How many? One is too many, but the number is somewhere around 50. So it's kind of a problem. Mayorkas, an even-keeled policy wonk, says he'd rather be working on getting the resources to enlarge the Department of Homeland Security, already a many-tentacled 260,000-employee department whose remit involves everything from domestic intelligence to cybersecurity to Arctic policy. Yes, he's done such a wonderful job. What he needs is more power. What he needs is more people. And 260,000 people, do you feel secure in the homeland? Knowing that you've got 260,000 people who can't be fired, sitting there, talking, listening to you, following you, spying on you probably. Among the items in his wish list, more border patrol agents. You got to love this. More asylum officers. Better pay for transportation security administration workers. Yeah, what you need is we need to pay people more money. Do you have a pension? I'd be willing to bet the odds that you have a pension are pretty damn slim. But those TSA agents, they have a pension, which means when they get their 20 years or 30 years or whatever it is in, they will have a guaranteed income for life once they retire. You probably have a 401k, which, you know, given the way that the Democrats are propping up the economy and how I think it's seven tech stocks are really responsible for the vast majority of the stock market's gains over the past few years. If those companies start getting screwed over, if those companies start to falter, the economy is absolutely screwed. People start hitting their credit card limits and can't keep spending the way they have been. And the economy is completely screwed. And guess what? And the stock market drops. It tanks. There's a correction, quote unquote, a correction. We're well overdue for a correction. But this is a little bit more correcting of a correction than usual. Usually the stock market as a whole goes up and there's a little bit too much unbridled enthusiasm, one of my favorite terms. And then everybody goes, well, I'm going to, this seems artificially high. It's too high. I'm going to sell now, take the profits and hold them for a bit. And when the stock market comes down to earth, then I'll buy again. So there's a correction and the stock market drops. Not when you or I do it, but when the big hedge fund managers and things get a little nervous, they sell. It's a game of chicken, really, on the margins there. Well, we're long overdue for that. And with seven stocks driving it, there is a push behind the scenes to make sure that those wealth managers don't do that because the so-called correction would expose the underlying problems, the house of cards, the loose rocks that the economy is built on. We'll see how long they can hold them out. I'm sure they're giving them all sorts of money behind the scenes. and We're getting ripped off 
in the end, our money will be the one that gets lost. Their money will be the money that uh, is saved and spared. That's just how it always works. But you've got all of that going on, and you've got this guy with this huge department to run. And he has no idea how to do it. He's wildly incompetent. His wish list, he wants more Border Patrol agents, more asylum officers. You know what he wants more Border Patrol agents for? So that he can pick up the illegal aliens and drive them to the more asylum officers that they have so that they may be processed and then given work permits and released into the country with the pinky swear that in six years they'll come back for a court date. That's what he wants them for. Washington Post's Jesus Rodriguez doesn't care about that. He's on board. Democrats don't care about that. Anybody losing sleep over the Transportation Security Administration not getting a raise or not getting a bigger raise when they've got a pension? Do you have a pension again? No, you probably don't. Well, you do have a pension. You're just on the paying end of the pension. You have all the government employees' pensions. We get the privilege of paying for their retirement. They don't pay for ours. More vessels of different types for the Coast Guard. More resources for strapped secret service in an election year. More non-intrusive inspection technology at ports of entry. More Now, that uh, non-intrusive inspection technology is spyware. They want facial recognition. They want gate recognition. Gate not meaning the gates that open, but the gate meaning how you walk. You don't think about it, but your walk is uh, can be digitally a fingerprint. How your body moves and situates itself while you move. The secretary's bedside manner was warm, yet guarded when talking about the politics of his job. Well, it's nice to see that the Washington Post is admitting that they are in bed with the Secretary of Homeland Security. At times, his expression dropped, and he tapped his foot. He spoke uh, of incendiary rhetoric in flame-resistant terms. Quote, levels matter, degrees matter. There are, you know, there is a challenge. There are levels of severity of challenges. There are politics and there are levels of politicization. It's pretty extraordinary right now. The rhetoric is more extreme. The polarization, I see less reaching across divides to bridge them. I really just despise these people. They really do. They are such complete and total frauds. It's hard to sit here and talk about them and not just swear about them the way they deserve to be sworn about. Like, honestly, honestly, this is who these people are. Arguably, the current Republican push to impeach Mayorkas has little to do with him personally. Trump allies in Congress would probably have threatened to impeach anyone holding that position, said Miles Taylor, a former Homeland Security official who famously criticized Trump under the pen name, well, uh, under uh, a pen name, anonymous, not, not much of a pen name, while working for his administration. Now, you got to love this. For commentary, they, they kiss the post-digested food port, exit port, of Alejandro Mayorkas immeasurably in the opening of this thing. And then for commentary from the other side, they go to a guy who's on his team. 
It was on his team, Miles Taylor. Miles Taylor was anonymous. He wrote a warning. He's the guy who said, we're working undercover secretly. There's a whole bunch of resistance inside trying to thwart the Trump agenda. Realistically, Miles Taylor, at a minimum, should have been fired from his job. There might even be a case for treason, not execution-level treason, but certainly um, a complete and total violation of the Constitution going against the will of the duly elected president of the United States, therefore the people's will, and thwarting that. There's got to be something short of executable treason for that. But he's the guy that the Washington Post goes to. Hey, let's find out what Miles Taylor says. Let's get CNN or MSNBC contributor. I can't remember which, and it doesn't matter because they're the same damn thing. Contributor Miles Taylor to weigh in on this. The world needs to know. How many people are out there losing sleep without uh, until they hear from Miles Taylor? What does Miles Taylor think of this? Well, Miles Taylor says, whoever is in that job kind of becomes a Rorschach test for where a critic stands on the political spectrum, Taylor said. So if someone thinks the border is a mess, they're going to hate the Homeland Security Secretary. If someone thinks that the Biden administration has reversed the worst offenses of the Trump years, they're going to be grateful for that person in the job. Wow. You can see why he's paid the big bucks. Again, he's too damn stupid, and they're, they're arguing this was you know, compiled before Democrats turned on that dime I talked about. So if you're inclined to think that the border is a problem, they're going to hear... Yeah, now, now the border is a problem, and it's Republicans who are standing in the way of it. Last week, border not a problem. You're probably just a conspiracy theorist. This week, the border is the biggest problem facing humanity, and if we don't address it, those Republicans are trying to kill everybody. It's weird how that works, isn't it? I mean, this is this is an embarrassing. This, remember when Katie Couric had the colonoscopy live on television? That's what this is, except it's coupled with a tongue bath. It's whispering sweet nothings into Alejandro Mayorkas's ear about how wonderful he is. Oh, my goodness. He's just wonderful. <laughs> when Biden appointed him in November 2020, he introduced Mayorkas as the answer to, quote, years of chaos, dysfunction, and absolute cruelty at DHS. Yes, absolute cruelty. Oh, my goodness. Chaos. Now, do the Trump years at the southern border make you think of chaos? Dysfunction? Cruelty? Honestly, we could use a little cruelty on the southern border. And by cruelty, I mean you show up and you're like, ah, I want to be here. Sorry, you're going right back home. But I paid $10,000 to drugs. I don't care what you did. That was stupid on your part. We're not open for business anymore. Now, by the way, I saw a clip the other day. It was yesterday. And it's weird what they can dig up, what the media can dig up when they're trying to make a case or trying to do whatever to help Democrats or when something breaks. They don't really educate their viewers in between in the breaks. It's all just fluff and stuff. And my God, Fox News spends an inordinate amount of time going, oh, for Valentine's Day, you, we've got, you go to shop.ourstupidcompany.com and you can uh, buy a blanket with hearts on it. It's a nice warm blanket with hearts on it for that special somebody. 
I think grounds for no-fault divorce should be that you purchased your significant other or your significant other purchased for you anything from a news company or a media company for Valentine's Day. Hey, honey, I got you a Fox News blanket and a Rachel Maddow pillow for Valentine's Day. Well, that's it. We're just out of it. No fault. It's immediate. You know how in the uh, Muslim world you can get divorced by simply making a... Men can. Women can. Women are screwed. But men can come out in the Middle East, not here. They go out and say... uh, They publicly declare themselves to be divorced, and then they're divorced. It's just that's it. They just got to tell people, and then it's over. It's a hell of a thing because how many men are like, no, baby, we're not serious. We're not serious. After a couple of drinks, and then, ah, man... Now that I'm sober, it's a different story. Well, you should it should just be automatic. Somebody goes, here's your, I bought a heart blanket with the Fox News logo on it for you. Oh, you sure know how to seduce a lady. There you go. There you go, right there. God help us all. Uh, Mayorkas himself, a Havana-born refugee, had helped engineer the DACA immigrant relief program as director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and prosecuted drug traffickers as a U.S. attorney in Los Angeles. Well, that both of those things went swimmingly. DACA, they just declared something to be, create a new law whole cloth. Republicans are too cowardly to just go, you know what? It's gone. It's gone. It's done. It was created illegally. They're here illegally. They always make the argument. The Democrats are so damn good about this stuff. The emotional manipulation. These are children who are here through no fault of their own. No, I don't care. You're rewarding the parents. Because part of the, we're going to let the dreamers stay. And then they go, but we can't deport their parents because... If we deported their parents, where would that 13-year-old dreamer stay? What would that do? We need to keep everybody. We need to keep their parents here. We can't punish the children, and so we have to reward the parents. Well, the parents are the ones who broke the law, if we're to be believed, all these people. They're the ones who So they're ultimately getting rewarded for breaking the law because they put their kid through a 2,000-mile baton death march without death involved. See how it works? They find a way to get what they want through emotional manipulation. It's the same thing they want. It's amnesty. But you, everybody looks at it and if they said, well, we want to we want to allow adults to stay who knowingly broke the law, who looked at the way things were set up and said, I don't give a damn. I'm going. I want in. I get it. You know, it's the rapist mentality. I want to get laid. Hmm. No means no. Not to me it doesn't. No means climb through the fence and swim across the river. But that's not going to fly with the American public. The American public isn't going to go, we don't no, you can't reward those people. You'll just get more. Just like with all the other crimes we have in this country. We're not going to prosecute somebody for stealing less than a thousand bucks worth of stuff. All right, well, I'm going to steal nine hundred bucks worth of stuff, and I'll be right under that limit. What happens? You get more. You don't prosecute, there's no consequences for law breaking, you get more of it. So the American public are not going to fall for this or go for this. Hey, let's just give these adults things. So they said, we're going to give it to the kids. We're going to help the children. How do you? Because then it's an argument of what do you hate kids? What do you hate kids? Nothing to do with kids. I don't care what their age is. Somebody murders somebody. I talked the other day about a 13-year-old who murdered somebody on a bus, murdered a 60-year-old grandfather on the bus. Does that make a difference? 
Nope. Age doesn't make a difference. Shouldn't make a difference here. But you sure as hell said, well, we're going to reward the kids. We're not going to punish the kids. We're not going to punish the sweet, sweet children. So you're going to reward the parents. Nope. Sorry. The kids will learn a valuable lesson that clearly their parents did not teach them. That has to do with the fact that you've got to respect. You don't get to go to France and, uh, you know, carry a gun. Well, I'm an American. I got a right to. No, not in France. I'm America. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever. No, you can't. In Germany, you're not allowed to heil Hitler. Not that anybody would ever want to. You're not allowed to say certain things because Germany's got a pretty nasty recent history. With progressive politics, by the way, since the Nazis were socialists, the National Socialist German Workers Party. But you're not allowed to do certain things. Germany is trying to not deny that their history, there was a time after World War II where world history stopped in Germany in 1932, and then it picked up again sometime around 1947. What happened there? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Sleepy time there. Everybody kind of took a nap. They don't do that anymore. But they do forbid an embrace of it. Here in the United States, you can believe in awful things. You can do and say awful things because that's the only kind of speech that needs protection. Over there, you can't. You can go to jail. You can get fined, seriously fined. You can face all sorts of problems. In the UK, you can go to jail. People have gone to jail for tweets, of, you know, for things saying basically that men shouldn't be in women's bathrooms. Oh, my God, it's a hate crime. What's wrong with you? You have all of those sorts of issues. But because you're an American and you go over there, you don't get, well, I have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of speech. Our Constitution is unique. It doesn't grant you rights, by the way. It's one of the things that drives me nuts. It protects rights. Look at the wording of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law. Okay, so Congress shall make no law. That means that you had the right to freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, before, before the Constitution recognized it, before the First Amendment recognized it. As Congress shall make no law bridging these things. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, it doesn't grant that right. It says it shall not be infringed, which means that you had it before then, which means that the Constitution does not grant rights. Our government does not and should not ever grant rights. You know why? Because if you grant, if a government grants rights, then there's zero argument against the government taking those rights away. Then they're not really rights at all. They're privileges temporarily bestowed upon you by government bureaucrats and politicians based on the whims of the moment. That's it. That's why when you sit there, they had a right to an abortion taken away from them. Well, the government gave them that right to abortion. The Constitution, actually, if you read the Constitution, it was up to the states and the individuals. The decision in Roe v. Wade in 1973 federalized that stupidly and based on poor logic that even Darth Vader Ginsburg herself said was poor logic. But the government then saying, nope, not anymore, the court overturning itself, which isn't all that uncommon, took it away. But it gave it to you, too. You can't say, well, this is a fundamental, how dare they after 50 years? That's the, them's the breaks. You had it. You could have done anything to codify it. You didn't. 
You didn't want to. You'd much rather have the issue you didn't want to be on the record. Well, this is the way government works. There are all sorts of things that the Supreme Court has gotten wrong, wildly wrong. Dred Scott decision. Look it up and look what happened to that. And you'll see that they got it wildly, wildly wrong. Thank God somebody came along and did it. There are guardrails against infringements on our rights. Everything else is up to the individual in the state. When government comes in and starts, health care is a right. Health care is a right. Then suddenly health care is something that they can deny you. You can't have this surgery. You're too old. You don't need this. What are you going to do? Sound like Bernie Sanders. What are you going to do? You don't need this. You're 90 years old. You don't need a hip replacement. Just deal with the pain. You barely walk in as it is. Shut up. Here, take a pill. Hmm. But I have a right to health care. You have health care. You just can't get treatment. You have health. What's the point of health insurance? In a lot of places like Mississippi and places where there's big rural areas, because of, frankly, Democrats and the lack of tort reform in the legal system, they have made insurance for OBGYNs so expensive than delivery. I don't know what, I can't remember what a delivery doctor is called, but OBGYN is good enough. They've made malpractice insurance so expensive that there are literal wastelands of places where there are no doctors who will deliver babies because they can't afford the insurance. That's the way that government works. That's the way bad government works, the unintended consequences or intended consequences of bad government. It really is something to just watch this whole thing sort of roll and how these people, how they live with themselves. I don't get it. I don't get it. The Biden administration disappointed by, uh, disappointed the left by continuing the Trump era policy known as Title 42 that had empowered border officials to quickly expel migrants who crossed the border illegally. As the policy was set to end, the administration announced it was proposing another rule that penalized asylum seekers who crossed the border illegally or declined to seek protection in Mexico, a rule that activists planned as an asylum ban. Quote, our borders are not open, Mayorkas said from, then from the White House briefing room podium when Title 42 policy wound down in May. He did open another legal pathway for those fleeing humanitarian crises such as Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans. The idea was that opening more legal avenues to the United States would reduce illegal immigration through the southern border. Don't you love that? We're going to alleviate this by making a whole bunch of the border crossing legal. That will decrease the illegal border crossings. Hey, you know what? If we murder all the sick people, we'll have the healthiest country in the world. Right? What about that? That's a simple way to do it. Yes, you control the unit of measure. You control everything. Nevertheless, they say, border patrol counted almost 250 illegal crossings in December, an all-time high. The number is actually more than 300,000, but why would the Washington Post, whilst in the midst of making out with the rear end of the Secretary of Homeland Security, be interested in reality? Republicans started making louder noises about going after Mayorkas in late 2022, as they anticipated taking back control of the House in the midterm elections. A few weeks after that, it just goes on through history. This is an embarrassment. 
This article is an embarrassment. It will be a resume enhancer. This person will probably get a contributorship at MSNBC, this Jose Rodriguez, because he's definitely going to be on Morning Joe soon. Mayorkas, who had been using the word challenge instead of crisis, said he wasn't told that his boss's rhetoric was shifting levels, but it didn't surprise him. I will tell you that I am not focused on the words one uses. I am focused on what we need to do. That is my focus. It is a very serious challenge, and we are focused on it every single day. End quote. (laughs) You gotta love it. We're focused on it. Boy, howdy. Uh, At this rate, if this is you doing your best and focusing on it, can we give you not paying attention and not giving a damn about it a shot? Can we do that? Because you suck when you focus on it really do suck since we're talking about the biden administration we should talk a little bit about the biden himself he is now imagine this you used to there's a joke in washington dc about chuck schumer it's actually it's used about every politician because it's mostly true the most dangerous place in washington dc is between chuck schumer and a camera that's that's the joke, because the, the bit is Joe, Chuck Schumer wants to be in front of every camera. Like I said, that could be every politician up there. They will stampede anybody. They will run over anybody. They want to be out there, blah, blah, blah. You get the joke. But with Joe Biden, that's not the case. Joe Biden, the most dangerous place between around Joe Biden is behind him when there's a camera. Actually, no between Joe Biden and his handlers when there's a camera nearby because his handlers will come up, shove you out of the way like, well, you can't even make Black Friday jokes anymore because all Black Friday sales are online. But there was a time when you would get trampled for a Tickle Me Elmo. Shove to the ground, shove grandma to the ground to get a a Tickle Me Elmo or whatever. I miss those days. But, uh, and then they'd uh, rush him out of the area. Joe Biden's the only politician who's moved away from publicity, friendly publicity, too. That's the weirdest thing about this whole thing is uh, he he had the uh, Super Bowl. They had a tradition going. Now, it's not a longstanding tradition, but the uh, Super Bowl had a um, halftime show where they did, they did their Super Bowl halftime is way long, and they usually allotted like seven to ten minutes to an interview with the president. Now, Fox News started this, I think, with George W. Bush. So, like I say, it's not a longstanding tradition. But then Bush did it every year. Then Obama did it. Then Trump did it. And then Biden said, nope, we're not going to do it. He didn't do it his first year because Fox had the Super Bowl. And he's afraid of Fox. His hand, well, his handlers are afraid of Fox. He probably thinks that Fox is just a furry animal. But you've got the opportunity to sit down with CBS News this year. Friendly, non-confrontational, plenty of time to prepare, no real ambiguity. There's not going to be any gotcha questions from uh, Margaret Brennan or whatever her name is over at uh, CBS. Just, it's just not going to happen. It's not CBS's style when it comes to Democrats. They're, on, they're on, the, on the team. So the White House passed on that. 
Why would you take the biggest television audience that this country is going to see this year, all year, hopefully? I mean, it would mean that something really horrible happened if there was a bigger television audience. But it, it take the biggest television audience you can possibly get, 100 million plus people, and you have 10 minutes of a friendly bootlicking, butt kissing, whatever it is, and you pass on it. What does that tell you? That tells you that the president of the United States is more senile, further gone than anybody is willing to admit. It really makes you look at uh, the Reverend Dr. Jill Biden in a different light, doesn't it? You go, Jill, what's, uh, shouldn't you be protecting your, your husband? Like, I feel like we need to call social services. We need to replace the Secret Service with visiting angels to deal with this guy. But you've got this situation where he just passes, just passes. Why would you do that? And then you see what the guy does say when the cameras are around. And you begin to see why it is they only put him in front of friendly audiences and why they are afraid even of friendly interviews. The other day when the three troops that were killed in... uh, uh, the Middle East, I forget what country it was, Yemen, I think, or killed by Yemeni forces, killed by the, the Houthis, which was essentially killed by, oh, they were killed in Jordan, that's right. They were killed by the Houthi rebels, which is Iran. In Iran proxy, it was Iran did it, which we struck back. We blew up a couple of empty buildings. We had given them a week's worth of time to move their stuff out of. But you had this situation where the president of the United States, well, I'll just let me just play the audio. The president is at a small event. Oh, well, no, I got to tell you, the the three soldiers. He called one of the women. The the they're one of the families. The family of the woman who died. And Joe was talking about how. War is hell, blah, et cetera, et cetera, and these terrorists. And this is how he lost his son, Bo. This is how his son, Bo, died. Again, saying that his son died in combat. Now, I'm never going to tell anybody how to mourn. It's up to the individual. But the idea that his son died in combat or as a result of combat is a well-worn lie by Joe Biden. It is proxies. It is glory stealing by proxy. It is stolen valor to the nth degree. Bo Biden served. Bo Biden served as a JAG officer, not as a patrol officer. He wasn't carrying a rifle and going out on patrols in Iraq. He served in the green zone in Baghdad for nine months, I believe it was. I don't know how you get a nine-month deployment when deployments are for a year, but He served for nine months while his father was vice president of the United States. He came home and then a couple of years later was diagnosed with brain cancer, tragically, and he passed away from it. Horrible situation. He did not die in combat. I do not believe he even saw combat. But Joe Biden, when talking to families of fallen service members, has regularly claimed that his son died in Iraq. His son died with Joe, I believe, at his bedside at a hospital in Bethesda. 
not in Iraq. You would think you would remember that. There's no way Joe didn't remember that when he started telling this lie years ago. Maybe now he doesn't, but he's been telling this lie for years. He tells it deliberately to try to identify with people. Just just, just gross. It's just gross. It lies to these people. The worst moment of your life, and somebody comes along and lies to you. So I know it. I've been through it too. I've been through it. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. The fact that your son died is enough. That's enough. You can identify with these people in that sense. Your son died young. It's a horrible tragedy. You don't have to lie to make it worse. It doesn't make it worse. It actually does make, just make it worse, worse. But anyway, it's evidence of how senile Joe is. So you can see why they're turning down a white a, a Super Bowl interview and why they're keeping him away from media. He has done fewer interviews than any president in modern times at this point into their, their term. 21, I think it was. 21, which is ridiculous. Also held fewer press conferences. Because yesterday, at a small group, I think it was yesterday, it might have been the day before, a small group of Democrats that they gathered together for Joe. Joe got everything wrong. Everything you're about to hear is wrong. Everything you're about to hear is a lie. Not a single fact checker will touch it. You know there was a PolitiFact fact check yesterday about Taylor Swift being a, uh, <laughs> a a CIA plant or something like that. Like that that's really what they're fact checking now. Right wingers are saying that this is that and the other thing. Like, huh? She's a psyop. How do you figure that? Why are you bothering to fact check this thing? Three guys sitting in their underwear on the internet bothered to send out a couple of tweets and now suddenly it's been written up by every major news organization. Here it is. In January, conspiracy theories that Taylor Swift is a government operative, a Pentagon asset, or a psyop went from fringe to primetime news. Now you love it. The fringe, couple crazy guys, probably left-wingers sitting in their underpants, maybe even Russians, tweet a couple of things and then it goes to primetime news. The left reports on it as if it is widespread on the right. And then the thing is, well, it's being reported by the news. Yeah, it's probably being cre- it's being reported by leftists. It's probably being created by leftists too. We track down how it happened. Taylor Swift has encouraged her fans to register to vote, leading to a spike in registrations last fall. The potential for her to endorse Biden has drawn attention, but celebrity endorsements are no guarantee. This is the kind of stuff that PolitiFact, these are PolitiFact tweets and uh, links to PolitiFact headlines. Instead of fact-checking Joe Biden as he's talking to a bunch of donors saying stuff like this. And so we're just on a roll here. We've created almost 15 million brand new jobs just in three years, more than any president has in American history in that period of time. We've, we've actually made sure that we have all kinds of additional help. People are getting the paychecks for Hispanics. Is four, 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 they're making 40% more money than they did before we started in terms of wealth. African-Americans, 50%. It's just about everybody. It's not about just one group of people. Because when we all do well, everybody does well. 
I really mean it. <laughs> that last part cracks me up. Because when everybody does well, everybody does well. We all do well. Like, huh? When everybody does well, we all do well. Hey, can we all get 10% of the Biden family business? We'd all do really well if we could do that. What's up when we all do well, everybody does well? Oh, that's great. Wow, you should be writing for Hallmark, you senile SOB. The idea, he says at the beginning, we created almost 15 million brand new jobs. That's a lie. Every job that was temporarily ended because of the stupid policy during COVID of shutting down the economy was counted as a job lost. All of those people were, well, a lot of those people were thrown onto unemployment, right? Remember that? It wasn't that long ago. Everybody should remember this. They were thrown on unemployment. And then there was a whole bunch of other pushes that don't don't fire people. Don't uh, un- they, they fired them because for accounting purposes, it was just advantageous. Don't worry, you come back when we reopen. And they did. But they also paid a ton of money to other companies to just pay employees who weren't working. So the government spent a ton of money. And then uh, millions and millions, I think the number was 10 or 11 million people lost their jobs during COVID temporarily. Once the restrictions, once the 15 days to stop the spread turned into six months and then people started going back to work, they went back to work. That's what people are saying, back to work, back to their old jobs. That is not, quote, brand new jobs. That is the hose, the sprinklers on, you're watering the grass, and then you kink the hose so you can go move the sprinkler. And you move the sprinkler and then you unkink the hose and you go, oh, look at what I've done. It's a miracle. I control water. No, you unkinked the hose. These jobs were shut down because everything was shut down. And then they unkinked the hose. They kinked the hose and they unkinked the hose. These are not new jobs. Will the fact checkers check that? No, they won't. They're too busy chasing down whether or not two guys in their underwear in the mountains of Montana are tweeting about whether or not Taylor Swift is a CIA operative. How about the idea that Hispanic wages are up 40% since Joe Biden took office? That's a hell of a trick. He's been in office for three years. And wages are up 40% in the Hispanic community? Did I miss a memo where Hispanics were getting a 13.3% raise? Every year for the past three years? What about the fact that black paychecks are up 50%? That's a 16.6% raise for black black people out there. Did you realize you've got it made? Did you realize that Uncle Joe Biden has made your life so much better? Why is it... That black, basically what he's saying is, since he's losing black and Hispanic voters, hemorrhaging them, as a matter of fact, he's calling them stupid. These people are too stupid to realize how good I am for them, how great I've made it for them. You've gotten 40% rage in in reality. Everybody's wages in real terms are down thanks to Biden's inflation. Now, that's not entirely true. Not everybody. If you work for the federal government, you're doing quite well. If you work for the federal government, they're giving you raises. You're doing okay. It's really easy 
when you don't have to worry about the bottom line to give somebody a raise. You just cut a big check. You just, eh, we'll run up more on the credit card. Your credit cards have limits. The government credit cards are the black card Amex. No limit, no nothing. And if they demanded payment and things didn't, they wouldn't get payment because they just don't have the money, the company would go out of business. So they pretend that they're not demanding, that they're going to get repaid. They pretend that it's real money they're playing with and they're just printing up more money and the Fed manipulates the interest rates to try and make it seem as though we're not really printing up $2 trillion more per year than the year before and that this is perfectly normal and sound monetary policy. It's insane. It is slow suicide by autoerotic asphyxiation. But, you know, if everybody's in on the scam, then who's going to call the bluff? Right now, the entire world's economy seems to be on a, built on a house of cards where everybody's racking up massive debt and playing kick the can and how long can we go? And because everybody's in on it, every government that matters has racked up so much unsustainable debt, many times to each other, to, they all just play accounting gimmicks and they pretend that it's not. That's really the only the only thing that's keeping the economy up in my mind is the fact that if it goes, everybody goes. And so everybody is in on the lie. Everybody plays along with the lie. Everybody pretends it's all good. Everybody, yeah, no, no, this is perfectly sound. This is perfectly normal. Because the second somebody points out that it's not, it could all go to hell. So much of what our society is today is based on just a straight-up, flat-out, unadulterated lie. And there's the President of the United States speaking to a room full of, let's see, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 people that I can see, many of whom are reporters. Looks like, like a Marriott conference room. You want to talk about a joke, pass up on the halftime of the Super Bowl for this. And you come out and go, well, we got 15 million brand new jobs. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And 40% Hispanic pay raise up 40% for black people. It's 50%. You're just making stuff up. Will it work? Will any fact checkers bother to check the facts? Seems doubtful. Seems doubtful. Nobody cares that their home run hitter, not that he's a home run hitter, is juicing. You think the Cardinals fans, they looked at Mark McGuire, look at, well, the Giants fans, you watched Barry Bonds swell. Suddenly he's three hat sizes bigger, and you're like, this is perfectly normal. He's hitting more home runs as he ages than any, the only person in human history to ever go this, this is perfectly, absolutely 100% normal. This is the way the body ages. Fans of other teams were like, he's juicing. He's ju-. Everybody else, he's juicing, he's juicing. Giants fans are like, why? He's just a, a miracle of natural sun. That's what you get when you take a whole bunch of B vitamins. People can fool themselves all they want. They're supposed to be independent arbiters to make sure they don't fool other people. But when they're wearing the team's uniform, you can't really trust them. I want to shift up for a minute here. I'm seeing these things pop up. The Super Bowl is, of course, Sunday. Chiefs versus 49ers because the Lions suck. And um, 
there's going to the NFL just can't get out of its own way. A couple things about the Super Bowl. First thing, Fox News. The NFL announced its pregame lineup for Super Bowl 63 earlier this week, and the league drew criticism over its intentions to have the Black National Anthem played before the game. Now, for the record, for anybody playing the home game, there is no such thing as the Black National Anthem because there is no such thing as a black nation. Nations have national anthems. This country has a national anthem. We don't have one based on race. As much as Democrats would like to, then they love segregation. They created it. And they have perpetuated it uh, ever since. Now, they've, they've done it. It's weird. They have changed their uh, tactics, never their objectives. Never once have they changed their objectives. So they, well, let's do the Black National Anthem. Why? Because it divides people. All the while, well, those Republicans, they're just divide people. They like to divide people. Now, if everybody could just gather up with people who look like them and share their skin color, That'd be great. We can protest how Republicans try to divide. No, 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 no. Hispanic, you're over with Hispanic. You're not. You're not. No, no. You get make sure you're going to have to get a DNA test to determine whether or not which group you go with. Okay. And if you're gay, that supersedes everything. And if you're trans, that supersedes. Look, we're going to put out a slide rule with the food pyramid of progressive hierarchy, and you're going to have to identify with those groups. And uh, you get into those groups and those groups only. Do not mix with other groups. We're going to set you each up with your own high school graduation, college graduation, proms, dances, dormitories, everything like that, so that we can be better organized to go and protest how it is Republicans are dividing us. Okay? Can we do that? Yeah. Democrats have no sense of irony, and the Democratic base is apparently too stupid to recognize that. Anyway, Lift Every Voice and Sing, known as the Black National Anthem, has been played at each Super Bowl since Super Bowl 60 and has stirred controversy on social social media ever since. This year, the NFL said the song will be performed by Grammy-winning R&B singer Andra Day. Never heard of Andra Day, but there she is. There's a picture of her. Radio host Larry Elder was among those to speak out. Uh, sigh, he says. While they're at it, how about the University of Michigan fight song, he wrote. Why not? Another guy, quote, bro, we're Americans. Why the F do we need lift every voice and sing? One NFL fan wrote in response to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Now, um, others wondered what would happen if Americans had a white national anthem. (laughs) Nicole Hannah-Jones of the 1619 Project and the New York Times and a college professor, because of course she is, argued that the national anthem is already a white national anthem, to which I would remind her making millions of dollars and all the other leftists who feel so absolutely oppressed that the walls that we have to the extent that we have walls in this country around our border are meant to keep people out, not in. And you are free to leave. You're free to leave. We will... I'd even support a subsidy for all the leftists out there who hate this country. The subsidy is we will pay to move you and your stuff to anywhere in the world that will have you on condition that you never return and you renounce your citizenship. That seems like a fair trade. And be like Alcatraz saying, we'll let you go as long as you go to another country and commit crimes. Don't you don't commit any more crimes here in the United States. You have to leave the country. You can either spend the rest of your life rotting here or you can go to, I don't know, Nicaragua 
And I'm like, all right, well, yeah, sure. Quote, the white national anthem is played. It was written by a racist enslaver who believed black people were inferior and fought abolitionists in the court, she wrote. Hannah Nicole Jones of Francis Scott Key's The Star-Spangled Banner, pointing to a 2016 Smithsonian article on the composer. It did not become our national anthem until the 1930s, partially because the song itself has racist lyrics. You all really should not boast your historical ignorance so loudly in an effort to constantly be aggrieved about the country you remain atop of. Do you have tenure? Do you guys have tenure? She has tenure. Do you make seven figures a year? She makes seven figures a year. How many of you would happily be as oppressed as sweet, sweet, nourishing Hannah, Nicole Hannah-Jones is? Hmm? There's a lot of money in oppression, just like liberals managed to make a whole ton of money helping the poor. Who knew that helping the poor was such a, you could make millions of dollars helping the poor. And like, do we get their better use of that kind of money? No. Personally, they're going to do, uh, what was his name? Dennis Prager writes at Town Hall that um, the national anthem, the real national anthem is going to be sung, and then the black national anthem will be sung because the NFL is afraid that the people there, if they did the black national anthem first, nobody would stand up for it. They'd be like, what the hell? No. But they'll be more inclined to stay standing after the national anthem since they're already standing. Well, I hope this, I hope the people at the Super Bowl boo the ever-loving hell out of this thing. It's the only way the left is going to learn. They don't, they don't care. They already have like musical acts that appeal to 13-year-old girls. I don't know who the NFL thinks their fans are. But it is abundantly clear that they hold a lot of them in contempt. They hold an absolute lot of them in contempt. They simply don't care. And they'll never care. They don't have to care. People will watch anyway. People, they'll make their money. You want to know how much an ad for the Super Bowl is? A 30-second ad. CBS News. A Super Bowl tw- as Super Bowl 2024 looms closer. Not just athletes, but also brands are gearing up for one of the most anticipated events of the year. A 30-second spot at this year's game will cost about $7 million, according to AdAge. $7 million bucks. A company that tracks data on marketing and media with such a high price tag for ads, the pressure is on for advertisers to create memorable and impactful commercials that connect with millions of viewers and for Bud Light to distance itself from controversy. (laughs) Now, you watch these things and you watch the build up to it. You're going to see it's $7 million for 30 seconds. You're going to see a lot of one minute ads, which means $14 million ads. They're spending probably twice that much producing the commercials. If you've seen, and I see this all the time, they're, they're doing ads promoting their ads for the Super Bowl. They're not going to show you the Super Bowl ads, but they're going to show you an ad. So you got, uh, was it Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady? So I forget even what the thing is for, but there's Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady sitting there hyping their Super Bowl ad to come. Now, if you're getting Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady, they're not. Tom, Tom, neither one of them need the money. 
So in order to get them, you're going to have to make it be like serious money. They're not going to do it. Well, you give $100,000, but you can give it to charity. No, they, they give $100,000. Tom Brady could give a Tom Brady probably could search his couch cushions and go like, well, there's $120,000 right there. I didn't even know it was missing. So they're not going to get him for that. You're talking five, ten million dollars for one day's worth of work on a commercial, because not only do they have to do the work on the commercial, which they're not necessarily inclined to do, they have to then be associated with that brand, whatever the brand is. So you're going to have to pay up for that. They're going to drop a ton of money on these things. And Bud Light is going, I don't know what stops Bud Light is going to not going to pull out for this. They have to try and recover from the disaster that was Dylan Mulvaney and giving Dylan Mulvaney a hundred thousand bucks to pretend that he's a woman and endorses Bud Light and you watch him sip a beer like, Ugh, what is this? Yucky, yucky. Like, dude, who's the mark? Well, the marketing genius got fired for that one. But the company then just kept digging its own hole and stupidly digging its own hole. So I was like, all right. Bud Light ain't that good. People bought Bud Light because it was cheap. I don't know anybody who's like, God, I love Bud Light. There's nothing like the flavor of Bud Light. I don't know a single human. Unless you accidentally gargled something that permanently destroyed your taste buds. Nobody goes, there's nothing quite like the taste of Bud Light. It's what beer drinkers drink when they're not drinking beer. It's what beer drinkers, it's what alcoholics will swig down when there's no nail polish remover nearby. So we'll see how that works out. I personally, the best part of the Super Bowl most of the time is the commercials. So we'll see. We'll see. And the thing about the Black National Anthem, the NFL is going to get away with that because we, even here I am complaining about it and I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. You're sitting there going, this is ridiculous. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. You're probably going to watch the Super Bowl. People will still watch it. We have to find another way to send a message and the best way I think to do it and I see these, I don't like Fanatics. I don't like, Fanatics is uh, the company that makes most of the jerseys, the uniforms, the hats, and all that garbage. They uh, are uber leftist. They have bought up everything in the sports collectible industry. They bought up baseball card companies. They bought up auction houses. And they're just, they've got all the arrogance of being the sort of monopoly. There really should be a sort of monopolistic investigation by the Justice Department to see if they violate any trust laws. But they're just uber leftist. I can't stand them. And the commercials that they do for their jerseys, everybody can get the gear. And they just, I mean, maybe they appeal to people and I just have too high expectations for my species. But everybody in a Fanatics commercial looks like they're just incredibly stupid. Like to the point that if breathing weren't a reflex, they'd randomly suffocate because they'd forget to do it. Just unbelievably stupid. And if you're dressing from head to toe in your football gear, your favorite team, oh, man, I couldn't. Po First of all, your favorite team doesn't give a damn. You're feeding money to millionaires and billionaires. Congratulations, whatever. Buy the stuff used. Buy the stuff on the secondary markets. Don't give them the new sales. You've got to hit these companies where their mouth is, the NFL gets, or where their, their wallet is. The NFL gets a slice of that money, the players get a slice of that money, and the manufacturers get a slice of that money. Now, manufacturers, I don't mean the 14-year-old slaves in Indonesia, they make, make them. I'm talking about the company that pays those slaves 12 cents a day. 
Stop buying it. I don't get people who are like, I must, my team will lose if I don't wear an $80 jersey every year with my favorite player. And You got one jersey, okay? You got one. Well, you need another one because the, they traded my favorite player. Now I have a new favorite player. Well, might I posit that you don't have the most favorite player? Take a razor out and remove the name, and then you just have a jersey with a number on it. How about that? Stop feeding the beast in that sense. That's the way to send a message. That hurts the NFL directly rather than boycotting advertising. Look, people are paying $7 million for 30 seconds. All the times are sold. All the slots are sold. The money's been spent. They're raking in the dough. It doesn't matter if two people, only two people watch the Super Bowl. They're not going to give a refund on that money that they're making from the commercials. It's over. CBS paid a billion two or whatever it was for the rights to broadcast the Super Bowl. They're not going to get a refund from the NFL if nobody watches. Stop buying their merchandise. That's where they make a ton of money. That can make a difference. One of the things that drive. I remember a few years ago when Ray Rice was working in Baltimore. Ray Rice beat the hell out of his wife. Remember that? The elevator footage came out and he just cold cocked her. Knocked her, like, knocked her head into the the handrail on the elevator. Like, you could have seriously killed this. This is evil. And they dumped him. And there was a whole bunch of people who were mad at the Ravens because they knew this and they'd kept it secret. Weird. Weird how those principled people all just kind of went away. And uh, it's, it's a difference of winning makes. But they're, like, burning their, their jerseys, their Ravens jerseys. Ah, burn them. I'll show you. I'm not going to. Don't burn that stuff. Don't throw that stuff away. Donate that stuff. You donate that stuff to Goodwill, the Salvation Army, whatever. Then somebody can buy it as long as you don't replace it. It's kind of stupid if like two years from now you're like, I need to get a Lamar Jackson uniform. Then you've just played right into their hands. But the um, you donate it and then people can buy it on the cheap discount at these places. And they won't have to go to Fanatics and pay $90 for a uniform. Then the NFL gets nothing on the secondary market. Fanatics gets nothing on the secondary market. The players get nothing on the secondary market. You can buy all the Colin Kaepernick jerseys you want used because he's not sniffing a dime of it. I'm all for protests and boycotts and everything if they're done smartly. There's just so few of them are. Let me let me put it to you this way in talking about the Super Bowl. Because like I say, you're going to watch it. Everybody's going to watch it. It's, you do, I'm not saying don't watch it. Don't turn off your TV and sit in a closet going, they'll never get me. Enjoy your life. Go to the movies. Listen to music. Everything that people do that is entertainment, one way or another, somewhere involves probably 90% of the time, Somebody whose opinions, political beliefs, whatever, you you find absolutely abhorrent. You would want nothing to do with. You're disgusted by them. And you can, on an individual basis, go, you know what? Sean Penn has embraced too many left-wing dictators around the world. I can't go see his movies anywhere. You're not really missing much. I mean, he makes movies that sort of push his agenda, too, so you wouldn't be missing anything. They're not, they're not good movies. There's no escapism. It's like a miser- watching a miserable person make a movie about miserable people. Like, okay, all they want to do is make you feel miserable. Why would you pay 20 bucks to feel miserable? 
But a lot of other people, you're just you're either going to have to become miserable yourself. I will find no joy in movies. I will find no joy in music, whatever. I watched the Grammys on Saturday. There isn't a single person who was there on stage or anywhere nominated that I would probably agree with politically. I don't listen to music, so it's I don't listen to music because it just does nothing recorded or at least most of the crap just doesn't interest me. I like the replacements. I like the Cure. I like Nirvana, the Smiths. I like the the old rock that they don't make anymore. Now it's all crap and it's all so polished and done through a computer program that the instruments aren't even real. It just doesn't interest me. Plus the lyrics aren't clever at all, and I prefer a clever lyric. But I'm not going to. The replacements are a prime example. Tommy Stinson, the bass player. Block me on Twitter. I have no idea. I didn't even know Tommy Stinson was on Twitter. It didn't even occur to me to look up Tommy Stinson on Twitter. But my friend Kurt Schlichter is like, Tommy Stinson did this and everything. Check it out. And I'm like, I can't. He blocked me. Just like John Cusack blocked me. Now, I might have might have given some crap to John Cusack, but he's incredibly thin-skinned. This would have been a decade ago or more. But he blocks everybody who dares disagree with him on any level. Just boom, block. But, man, there are... As far as like the number of movies that somebody's been an actor in, Gross Point Blank, High Fidelity, Better Off Dead, Say Anything, uh, it's a lot of them. I even like 2012. John Cusack, is, his movies are great. I enjoy them. But he's a miserable son of a bitch. And it's like, I want nothing to do with him. He wants nothing to do with me. So should I then go, I don't like this guy's politics. I'm never going to see another John Cusack movie. I don't know that John Cusack will make another movie anymore at this point. I think he's sort of so toxic, but I'm not going to go, I, oh, Gross Point Blank is on. I'm not going to watch that because John Cusack is a raging liberal. Don't do that. You'll end up miserable. The vast majority of people, since liberals control Hollywood, and they, they terrify people into conformity under threat of you're never going to work again, the vast majority of people who work on that stuff are either silent, scared into silence, or liberal. Now, you could, I suppose, organize and make a case for a massive boycott or what have you, but that's not really feasible. So what do you do? You just go, well, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. I'm going to not go insane. I'm not going to become miserable. I'm not going to become a hermit. I'm going to go and watch a movie starring somebody who hates my politics. All right? Watch Family Guy, but Seth MacFarlane has me blocked, too. What did I do to Seth MacFarlane? I don't know. But it doesn't matter. I'll still watch Family Guy. Don't recoil from it. You need to know what's going on. You don't have to embrace it. You don't. If you don't want to go see something, don't go see it just because it's popular. But if the choices are you... You know, like the Taylor Swift song, but you don't like that you like the new Taylor Swift song. And you're not going to buy it. You're not going to listen to it. You're not going to whatever. You're just going to hum it in your... If that's how you want to live, that's fine. Be better off, you know, and a lot of people... I always get messages like, well, the conservatives need to make movies. Conservatives need to do this. Conservatives need to do that. And like, not... They just need to make good movies. There was a comedian a few years, like, oh, he's a conservative comedian. 
there was what's the name of that band? Madison Rising. There was a band called Madison Rising, probably ten years ago. They were all over CPAC. They're, like, they're the conservative rock band. They're this. They're the, that. They're conservative. And they're doing interviews about how they're a conservative band. The problem is they sucked, right? Don't be a conservative comedian. Be a comedian who happens to be conservative. Be funny first. Be com- your first priority is to be funny as a comedian. Your first responsibility as a band is to rock, to be good. Your first job as an actor is to be good at the job. Your politics should be secondary. Yes, they've got an advantage. They control the industry. They do this. So what? How many days a week do you go to your job and just start immediately spewing off about politics? For me, it's every day, but that's beside the point. Most people, you have something else to do. You guarantee you work with somebody you don't like politically. You probably never had a conversation with them politically or you recognized it and said, we shouldn't go down this road or whatever, because it would just make things awkward and uncomfortable at work. But you don't gain anything by shutting yourself off from all this stuff. You actually gain something by engaging in it. So you can do whatever you want, but if you're looking for my advice, don't crawl into a hole. Don't go, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Unless you don't want to, don't. But quite frankly, if you set out, like the there was a movie, An American Carol. God, it's got to be 15 years ago now. And it was a this was a conservative movie, and it was uh, whatever. Every conservative, every Republican in Hollywood made a cameo in it. It was done by uh, Zucker, not the guy who ran CNN, but one of the Zucker Abram Zucker guys did Airplane. It was along that kind of line. Unfortunately, that humor is dated. Airplane's still funny, but the humor's a little bit dated, and so people who were it's just it happens to comedians and people who are funny as their humor gets dated. The times pass them up. And uh, it just was a terrible movie. It might have been like three rewrites away from being a good movie, but they wanted to get it out before the 2008 election or whatever it was. And so they rushed it out there. And it was terrible. It was awful. I, had a, I think I still have a DVD copy of it in the trunk of my car because <laughs> that's just where it sits. I think I tried to donate it once and they're like, we don't want this. We don't want this. Uh, it's a terrible movie because its priority was to be conservative and then be funny. Well, it should be funny. You should be The first thing you should be is, if you're making a comedy, the first priority is to be funny. It should never be a priority to push a liberal agenda or a conservative agenda. Movies that are expressly made to convey a liberal agenda bomb too. They get Oscar nominations and things like that, Golden Globes, but they bomb at the box office because the American people don't want to go and watch a movie. Hey, you want to go to this lecture for an hour and a half about how the country sucks and everybody in it's a racist? No, I don't. You can convey those messages without beating people over the head with them. The most successful and funniest, a little bit of a disconnect there, pro-life movie ever made was made by a pro-choice liberal. It was made by accident. It's called Knocked Up. Seth Rogen and uh, I can't remember the woman's name. She's not really doing anything anymore. But it was made by a bunch of leftists. 
but it ends up having a very pro-life message without going pro-life, 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 pro-life. Subtly, it's about a woman who gets pregnant and decides to have the baby and tries to make it work with the father. And it's very funny and it was wildly successful. And it was not as made by people who'd probably, you know, drive you and pay for your abortion. So don't disengage from popular culture just because it's annoying. You can find gems, accidental gems. And if you want to get involved in it, and God knows, you know, good luck. It's a tough industry, even if you're on their team. Do it. Recognize you're going to have to bite your tongue an awful lot, but you will reach a point where you can be a James Woods or an Adam Baldwin, or you can be people who are like, you know what, I'm, I'm rich enough or I'm famous enough or whatever, I can get what I want made. Tom Cruise isn't political. I don't know what Tom Cruise's politics are, but I assume that anybody who is vocally liberal is at least sane on some things. You reach a level where there are some people out there who just go, can you do the job better than anybody else? Are you the best person for this job? Which is weird because they all cast everybody. Is this the best person for this job? They go to merit when it comes to things that will put money in their own pocket. When it comes to things that will put money in your pocket, they go to quotas, they go to requirements, they go to mandates. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year when the Oscars start saying, is your cast diverse enough to qualify for a nomination? Don't be surprised if that gets postponed or slowly recalled because they're like, you know what, this is a stupid idea. You're making a, a drama about, I don't know, the, the Hundred Years' War. Not a lot of ethnic minorities involved in that battle over there, okay? You're making a, a drama about the, the Ming Dynasty in China. Probably not that many black guys. Denzel's going to be kind of tough to hammer into that cast. Even if Denzel wanted to do it, you'd, you'd find a way to do it because you're like, we'll put Denzel in this movie. But if you want it to be historically accurate, you'll probably go, hey, Denzel, um, probably going to sit this one out. But if you want an Oscar nomination, they want you to do that sort of crap. It's a little bit ridiculous. They deserve your scorn, but you've got to at least keep up with what they're doing so you can counteract it. All right, I want to, here endeth the lecture. I want to shift gears now to what's going on up in Canada. Up in good old Canada and the the gender dysphoria fights and things like that, Alberta, Canada, has introduced a parental bill of rights. And it has got people very upset up there. It is amazing how the collectivist mindset works when dealing with rights and children. It's usually a bunch of people who don't have kids who claim to care the most about kids and to know what's best for kids. Randy Weingarten, head of the American Federation of Teachers, no kids. She's long past the change, so she ain't having any kids. And she uh, she's a lesbian anyway, so the odds of it are pretty slim. She's married, so her wife has passed the change too. So they're not having any kids anytime soon. But she talks nonstop about how we got to do this for the kids and do that for the kids when admitting that she really only represents union members. 
But when it comes to the trans issue and girls and boys and boys and girls sports and whatever, oh, they know what's best. And don't you worry about it. What about this kid? We can't have this kid. This kid could think bad thoughts and cry sometimes. We must do something so that doesn't happen. Like, well, that doesn't doesn't make any sense. We have to do it. Okay, so you're going to make in in a quest to make sure that one kid with gender dysphoria isn't uncomfortable. You're going to make every other kid uncomfortable, right? The one guy who claims to be a girl, they're going to be made, everybody's got to bow down to them, but all the teenage girls now who are forced to shower with this dude, they don't count, they don't matter. You get 30 people wildly uncomfortable so that one person isn't wildly uncomfortable. You have to disrupt the reality of 30 girls because one boy demands that their reality be embraced by everybody else, their delusions be embraced by everybody else. So that's what's happening in the parents' rights movement is around the country. Parents are having enough of this. Around the continent, people are having enough of this. And so this story out of the global news up in Canada, globalnews.ca, that's how you know it's Canadian, is the .ca bit. said, Alberta parents appear divided. Now, this is as close to most of the media up in Canada is government control. There's very few like rebel news outlets that have uh, any independence whatsoever. The CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, it's right there in the title, paid for by the government. They're trusted. They're covering the government. They're trusted. Trust them to cover the government honestly that funds them. Yeah, you'd be insane. Alberta parents appear divided. Some are pleased while others are dismayed over Premier Danielle Smith's proposed new policies surrounding transgender youth and pronouns. Quote, I broke down crying. Thank goodness I was at work and not in front of my kids because that gave me time to collect my thoughts, said Katie Jones, whose 10-year-old child has identified as a transgender girl since she was seven. (laughs) We're going to have audio of this woman in a second, but let me just tell you, Whatever you're thinking when you hear this this person talk, when you hear the audio, is what this person looks like. She is face pierced. She is purple hair. She's everything you'd expect. They always, they never disappoint. They always look exactly like you think they look. <laughs> Premier Smith said the goal of the proposal, expected to be tabled in the fall legislative sitting, is to stop youth for making life-altering biological decisions before they are mature enough to do so. Some people would argue that you're never mature enough to lop parts of your body off voluntarily, but I couldn't care less what an adult does. I look at somebody, like there's a whole bunch of people who want to identify as amputees. As a child of an amputee, I tell you, you don't want that. You don't want that. But if you want to go and you want to pay to have your leg cut off, go and have your leg cut off. You're going to regret it, but whatever. Knock yourself out. You're an adult. You're free to be stupid in this country. But if you're a kid, you're not, if you're not free to get a tattoo or drink a beer, drive a car, own a weapon, vote. You are not mature enough, smart enough, bright enough to take hormone blockers, puberty blockers, especially when you're 10 years old. You ain't going through puberty for a while. You're just taking drugs. You're being experimented on. You are just this side of a Nazi experiment, 
a Nazi medical experiment, but it's being done in the name of tolerance by people who happen to share the same political philosophy as the Nazis, but it's being done in the name of tolerance, so it's okay. Among the changes would be a ban on gender assignment, reassignment surgery. Don't you love it? Reassign. You can just reassign gender. Reassignment surgery for those 17 and under. Now, I thought that gender was a social construct. How do you surgically reassign a social construct? So weird. There would be uh, no puberty blockers or hormone therapies for the purposes of such surgery for anyone 15 and under unless they'd already begun such procedures. <sighs> Jones and her husband support their child. And with the blessing of their pediatrician and a transgender specialist. It's amazing. I wonder, I, you know the study I want to see? They'll never give up the data. But I want to see the study where the transgender specialists or the transgender surgeons meet with a kid. What percentage of the kids that they meet with do they say, you know what, it's just a phase. I'm not going to, I can't in good conscience do this. You're seven years old. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm not going to remove any of your body parts. I'm not going to do anything. You're, you, you go home. You come back in a while, right? I don't believe it. I think you're probably influenced more by TikTok than by anything else. What do you think the percentage is? Zero? Less than zero? Is that not even possible? Jones and the blessing of their transgender specialists have begun talking to her about puberty blockers and hormone therapy. The mom, what's a mom? How can they know their gender? The mom worries now that process will be halted. Now, I want you to listen to this. You're going to hear the purple-haired mom with the face piercings and everything. And she is going to be exactly what you'd expect her to be. And she is insane. She is... She is insane. She is going to be. She gets a little bit too much joy, I think. You want to talk about Munchausen by proxy and somebody who really enjoys telling the neighbors and things. Oh, I have a transgender child. Oh, good for you. Oh, you're so lucky. I wish I had one of those. It's like pulling out a limited edition thing. Like, oh, you know, I've got one of those. They, when they had the McDonald's nuggets where they were giving away the, the McNugget characters in the adult Happy Meal that I had to buy for my girls, they had a, a rare gold nugget. You can buy them for like 30 bucks on eBay. You're like, ooh, did you pull the rare gold one? Oh, I've got, I got this one. I got that one. Well, I got the rare gold nugget. Ooh, everybody's so jealous of you. When you're in liberal circles, they really do go, oh, you've got the transgender child. I wish my child were transgender. I'm trying to convince Billy that he's pansexual, but he just likes girls way too much. Anyway, this news report, that's essentially what this woman is. This was only started like last night. Soon after hearing policy changes to parental rights, Katie Jones started a petition. These policies take away my parental right to parent my daughter the way I see fit. Jones's daughter is 10 years old and came out as trans when she was seven. Jones worries about parents who won't give permission to their kids to change their names or pronouns. And she feels the new school policies could lead to more bullying and misunderstanding. That's going to result in more discrimination and hate. And there's already a lot of that targeted towards our transgender kids. We have a lot of data showing that these youth are best supported by having some place where they feel safe to have these conversations. Alex Marshall provides schools with sessions to support the LGBTQ2 community. 
Her material must now be approved by the province and she fears that will stop open conversations. Can a teacher now introduce topics about 2SLGBTQ plus discrimination? Is that against this policy? John Hilton O'Brien with Parents for Choice in Education applauds the province's moves. He says they don't address all of his concerns, particularly sex education in gay-straight alliance clubs. What Danielle Smith here is doing here is she's actually protecting the rights of children, including their privacy rights. When it comes to parents' rights and children's rights, there are no other meaningful stakeholders than the family. ATA President Jason Schilling says it puts teachers in a difficult position. You know, a different pronoun, for example. And a teacher's put in this situation now where can they? Can't they? What happens to me if I do? Will I get? Will I lose my job? As for Jones, her daughter is just beginning her journey. And hurdles on top of school will also include how she transitions. The policy could effectively stop our daughter from getting the treatment that would make her feel whole. Oh no, the treatment that will help her feel whole, like pumping her full of hormones and other drugs that will permanently alter her DNA and be irreversible and also the surgical removal of body parts. They're going to stop me from helping my... You don't have a right to beat the hell out of your kid, not even in Canada, much as they deserve it. You don't have that right. Why do these parents think they should have the right to surgically alter and chemically castrate their kids? They really are just Nazis. Look up what Joseph Mengele did, and you'll find pretty much a lot of it dovetails with the modern progressive agenda. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's do the other thing. Let's just inject this into people and see what happens. Hey, let's take a seven-year-old and give them uh, different hormones. Let's see what happens. No point in studying that. No reason to look at all of these things. Let's not worry about the psychological damage or long-term or anything like that. Let's just do it. You can't make utopia without breaking a few eggs. It's insane. It's evil. There's no other word for it. It's evil. Insane doesn't do it justice. Evil does it justice. And this woman, my child is a transgender at seven. Really? Really? What is a boy? What is the left is amazing. They go, we nobody don't nobody knows what a woman is. Nobody can tell what a I don't know what a woman is. But then a seven year old comes up and goes, I'm a boy. And like, well, there you go. This person knows. Adults who've lived their whole lives knowing, they don't know. But everybody else, they know. They got it figured out. Little kids, they got it. You can, Supreme Court justices at a complete and total loss. Who knows? Could go either way. What is a what is a what is a woman? Is that a is that one of those big, tall things outside with the leaves all over it? I'm not really sure. Did I drive here today in a woman? I'm not, I don't know what a woman is. Who can say? It's one of life's great mysteries. But a five-year-old picks up a Barbie, five-year-old boy picks up a Barbie, and suddenly everybody's a gynecologist who goes, oh, this is obviously a girl. And in their own dating lives, they're all batting a thousand. Nobody ever goes, yeah, I was dating somebody. Turns out that they were uh, a, a, a dude. I didn't know. I didn't know. Found out. Six years into the relationship. Who knew? No. No, there are telltale signs. There are telltale biological signs. You can feel any kind of way you want. Your feelings have no bearing on reality. I hate to break it to you. 
But somebody has to, and seemingly everybody else in your life is willing to lie to you for whatever reason. Just want you to be aware of the fact that what these people are up to when it comes to the left and the butchering of children. And up in Canada, it's no different. The uh, Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Youth you want to talk about mixing somebody up, mixing things up. This is Trudeau. This is a woman named Marcy Len. She was asked about the Alberta parental rights, the idea that, you know, children shouldn't be operated on. Children shouldn't be treated the way that Joseph Mengele treated children by medical professionals. It just shouldn't be done. Shouldn't be done. Listen to this. They, she talks about how her and another minister, they spent a lot of time on the phone late at night talking to young children about sex. I don't think that's what she meant to say, but that's what she says in this. So first and foremost, when I watched that video and I heard I four or five times and uh, my government and it is my view, the questions I asked were, who did you consult? Did you, did you talk to trans kids? Did you talk to families with trans kids? Did you actually consult with parents? So what I wouldn't do is put forward something like that without having consultation with the people you're talking about and the people whose lives you're impacting. I wouldn't do that. And so to Randy's point, Randy, both Randy and I spent last night and into this morning consoling kids talking to advocates and then saying we will make sure and go back to our cabinet colleagues that everything is on the table anything that we can do but the consultation with community and this will be happening across the country uh, I mean it has been happening but I'm going to be heading on the road and bringing forward you know, the opinions and the life experiences of those this impacts. So what I wouldn't do is put out a statement without proper consultation and othering people before, you know, I, I want to say blowing up people's lives. Yeah, no, you got to talk to the right experts, meaning everybody who agrees with the leftist agenda before, quote, blowing up people's lives, end quote. How do you blow up people's lives? Would removing part of their anatomy blow up somebody's life? Would permanently chemically castrating them blow up someone's life? Some confused 14-year-old deciding at that moment that they feel awkward and weird in their own body, so go ahead and sterilize me and take pieces off of me, who then maybe a couple of years later goes, yeah, that was a mistake, which blows up their lives making them wait until they're adults to make their own decisions rather than be sort of fostered and pressured by status-seeking parents or at least possibly status-seeking parents, or the straight-up engagement of these surgical devices to remove chunks of their flesh because obviously nobody knows what the future holds like that of a seven-year-old. the hell is wrong with people honest this is just it's amazing how we've moved so quickly 
in this. And now, like, well, 40% of Gen Z says that they're uh, bisexual. Well, we're done as a species at that point. We're done as a species. Not, not that we're done as a species. Nothing against anybody's sexual orientation. But if we're getting up to the point of half, more than half people who are like, we prefer sex that doesn't lead to reproduction. We're done as a species. We're done. Forget about, oh, the vanishing bees. The van We're done already. The bees can have the planet in like three generations. We'll be done. Honestly, if that's where our species is heading, maybe our species would be better off being extinct. If we're just being honest about it. It'd be better off being extinct than following these leftists over a cliff. Something bad's going to happen. Mark my words for it. What that is exactly, I don't know and when, but I would say very bad and not that far off in the future. Just has to. All right, that is enough for today, I say. Let's get on with our day. It's hump day. Tomorrow's Thursday. Man, we're getting that much closer to the weekend. Lord knows. I'm ready for it. So have a great one. Hope I didn't bore you too much. Don't forget to go and enter the contest. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and all the other good things we have going there. I will see you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.